It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, the coaches, players, and all the stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook, and along with Kevin McNamara, we broadcast, written about, and covered this conference more than 30 years each. <laughs> this is our seventh season to host this program together in year eight now, following the reconfiguration of the Big East. It's safe to say this should be one of the most unpredictable years in what is now 42 seasons of playing men's college basketball under the Big East banner. So, Kevin, the last time we met for this program came from Madison Square Garden in New York last March as the world turned, so to speak, toward the global pandemic. That we're here now when we're talking basketball and playing games, I think is a testament to both resiliency and to the need for some sense of normalcy when very little is the way it used to be less than a year ago. No, that's well said, John. And we, we think back to last March and it was pretty much mental devastation for all the players and coaches and teams that, that we cover. But in reality, we didn't know anything about the oncoming pandemic. Uh, the world has learned so much about the virus and how to deal with the virus and the maturity of the players and the coaches really was tested. And now our, everyone's living in a new world and it's a new basketball world. It's going to be very interesting to see how this unfolds. No question. This won't be an easy journey for anyone, coaches, athletes, administrators, media, or fans. We'll have further disruptions. There will be postponements, maybe even cancellations along the way in an effort to keep everyone as safe and healthy as possible until such a time where we can all gain a foothold in this new normal. Every league team to this point has had at least some kind of a layoff due to their own testing or due to the testing of their opponents. Just this week, the NCAA settled on Indiana and the greater Indianapolis area as the one and only site for March Madness with Butler's Hinkle Fieldhouse selected as one of the game sites in an effort to reduce travel and to limit exposure to outside elements. We'll have some time as we get closer to elaborate on this plan that's liable to have some change to it over the next several weeks. In the meantime, Big East teams are all in the business of competing and of trying to win and hoping to gain eligibility for that tournament play in March, Kev. Yeah, John, really handling the virus is probably more important than how you're going to potentially handle your opponents. And the big key right now in the Big East is the plan is to play the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. That's the goal. That's the one that players and coaches crave, with or without fans. We'll, we'll see what March brings. All right, so where do we stand just one week into 2021? Let's hit this week's On the Court Big East headlines. The Big East thus far is 38-14 and 14 against non-conference competition in a sharply reduced schedule this year due to COVID concerns and testing protocols. This weekend, Georgetown and Syracuse get a chance to renew that longstanding rivalry as a non-league game. That'll make decisions, of course, come tournament time, tougher for any selection committee, and goals for Big East teams are universal. Just win, baby. While current league leader Villanova had two games postponed this week due to COVID protocols, Creighton and Seton Hall battled to step into the spotlight just behind the Wildcats. Familiar names dot some of the Big East lineups this season, but be on the lookout for a few new stars on the horizon that are already beginning to shine. We'll talk about some of them coming up. No new coaches in the league this year, but there is a new team 
and a familiar name back in the fold as UConn rejoins the Big East under Dan Hurley, who once made a name for himself as a player at Seton Hall. Kevin, UConn's return to the Big East is one of the original members rejoining the conference was an offseason move that was made official. It brought widespread acclaim from just about everyone except maybe uh, some opposing coaches. <laughs> no, no Big East coach wants to go up against Dan Hurley, either on the floor, John, or in recruiting, where the Huskies have already had some big wins. I've covered Dan Hurley for quite a while now, especially when during his time at Rhode Island. I can say this, UConn is not joining the Big East to be in the Big East. They're joining to win it, and they're going to be a player right from the start, starting right away this season. I think we can already tell that through the play that we've seen thus far. You're 100%. Thank you to our Westwood One affiliate stations this season for tuning in to check us out. Thanks for catching us on SiriusXM if that's where you are today. And if you're doing the podcast thing, subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and Podfriend. And for more on our podcast, you can visit us online, www.twitb.buzzsprout.com. You can also listen online at westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. For week one, we'll get the lowdown of the new kids with the old school familiarity and national pedigree, lest we forget UConn's Huskies have four national titles to their credit since just prior to the turn of the millennium. Dan Hurley will join us coming up. We'll also get the national perspective on playing through this pandemic from Big East Executive Associate Commissioner Stu Jackson, plus one of the top talents at guard, and not just in the Big East, but in the country, tries to carry his friars to greater heights. A local boy is trying to make good. Providence's David Duke joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. We didn't have a shoot-around today. I just felt like we need to get out there and play. Mm. Oh, like that. Alley-oop up top to Duke for two more. Flasher to step back three now. He's got every part of his game going. David Duke. Duke. Oh, a swish. Three more for number three, David Duke. He has had his spectacular moments already, just now becoming settled into his junior season. But where does a guy like Providence's David Duke grow from here? And how does he handle the pressure of having to grow up in the spotlight right down the street from where he actually grew up? David Duke joins us this week in the Big East. David, you've never seemed to shy away from pressure or any of the expectation that naturally goes along with being a local kid trying to make good. So how has that helped you develop into what your role is now with the Friars? You know, like you said, it's just natural. It's what comes with being a local kid. Um, and I knew that, you know, I knew that coming in and, um, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't amount to the pressure I put on myself, you know, uh, whether I was playing for a local school or any school in general, uh, I put pressure on myself each and every day, you know, to get better. And I think um, I've just looked at it in that way and not really uh, try to blow it too much out of proportion, just, you know, stay level-headed, um, still understand I have a long way to go. So, you know, locking myself in the gym, I've already been seeing the benefits of it so that it gives me more confidence to continue to do the same thing going forward. David, uh, Coach Cooley's been outspoken calling you the hardest worker that he's ever coached, kind of praising your work ethic over and over. I, I'm curious if you can tell the listeners what you did in the off season 
an off season like any other, obviously with the pandemic, uh, for people who don't know David Duke, he literally lives one mile from Providence College and couldn't get on the campus in the Ruane Workout Center to be able to put in those long hours. What did you do to get better? I just used whatever I could. Uh, I didn't have access to it too much, but one thing I could do, you know, I went for runs, uh, just tried to stay up on my conditioning. Um, I knew that coming into this year, I would, you know, have a much bigger role and have to be able to play a lot of minutes um, more than I have in the past. So that was one thing I had to key in on. Um, also, just expanding parts of my game. So, you know, I sat down and watched a lot of film on my games from last year. Uh, that's one thing that we could do. You know, I just needed a laptop and, you know, the link to some games and was able to break it down, uh, look at my weaknesses and, you know, prepare for when I was able to get into a gym uh, to be able to, you know, work on those things and potentially add some things to uh, my game that will help, you know, expand um, and help our offense, you know, and, uh, and just help me in general because, you know, every team has their scout. You got to be able to play above your scout and report. So, yeah, those are, you know, some of the main things I really focused on this offseason. David, I think we all know that the uh, the pandemic has been tough on everybody uh, for a lot of different reasons. What's been the toughest part of it for you as both a student and as an athlete at Providence? You know, as a student, it, it was really hard, uh, you know, keeping up this summer you know, this summer, um, you know, it's like being on, it was like being on a long vacation. Um, you know, you weren't at school, so it wasn't like the first thing on your mind. And, you know, it's hard to find, you know, that motivation in, you know, remembering, you know, that you still have school uh, during the week and stuff. So, you know, just constantly reminding yourself that you are still in school, even though it doesn't feel like it. Um, you don't have no teachers around, no coaches around. So, nothing feels like it was, we were in school still. So that was just one thing, um, you know, also just, uh, it was hard for, I think the teachers as well, the professors, um, you know, trying to form their plan for the year, the academic plan, how they were gonna teach us uh, the curriculum. So, you know, credit to them for, uh, you know, finding ways and adapting on the fly. You know, everybody kind of, it was a shock to everybody, you know, how quickly things had to turn around. Um, so, I mean, as a student, you know, it was tough and uh, for the student and the professor. As a, you know, player, um, like you said before, we couldn't, you know, be here on campus, couldn't get in the gym. So we just, whatever we had, and it differed, you know, from each state, you know, the different states had different guidelines. So some kids had more access to some things than others. Um, so we just had to deal with, make it happen with whatever we had. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much, you know, the challenges. Other students have left Providence College, I believe it was a week before Thanksgiving. So we're going on, you know, a month plus, uh, maybe even two months before the rest of the student body gets back on campus. Can you just describe what a day in the life of a, of a friar would be? I mean, not even what we're allowed to do, what we're even able to do. I think there's really limited things we can do besides, you know, go to the gym, um, you know, usually on a typical day, we'd wake up, uh, you can come in for breakfast. Uh, some days the dining hall is open. Some days, you know, we would have breakfast here from the, for the team and get that out the way. Then, uh, you know, we lift two to three times a week. So we may have that to start off our day. Then, you know, we have some time we can get a workout in, things like that. Then we have practice middle of the day, afternoon time. 
and then after you're pretty much inside for the rest of the day um, for a few hours. So, you know, you get off your feet, rest up for the next day, and then you kind of repeat the same cycle over and over. Um, now that the season's here, you know, we have games every couple of days, which, you know, makes uh, makes it like a little switch in our schedule. Now it's not like we're practicing, just practicing every single day. We now have to travel, um, play the game, you know, and come back to school. But other than that, that's pretty much it. We're not even in classes right now, so there's no schoolwork. It's just all basketball. But, I mean, a couple months ago, we didn't have anything. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody's pretty grateful for to have that. Providence's David Duke with us this week in the Big East. Let's get to this year's team a little bit. Uh, I know that um, the season probably started off a little more slowly than you anticipated, but it has picked up a bit later in um, in conference play. So what is this team going to be like? Where can you guys grow from here? You were preseason picked for third in this league. What's the ceiling for this team? Um, I think, you know, we're really good when, you know, we're really locked in and, paying attention to detail. Um, I think we've came a long way since the beginning of the season. And, you know, with all that's been going on this year, you know, we've uh, had to adapt pretty quickly to, you know, what we're going to be like this year. You know, we have a lot of first-year guys in our program, uh, freshmen, you know, transfers and things like that, guys that are just playing this year for the first time. So, um, you know, to be successful, you got to have a lot of, you know, game experience, you know, chemistry. And that's one thing that we had to work on. But I think, you know, now we're in game. I'm not too sure, 11 or 12 or so. Um, you know, it's coming along. And I think we have been getting better each each game. So, you know, at the end of the day, in the Big East, a lot of games come down to the last four minutes. You know, one possession here or there could decide the whole game. So, you know, it's just the ability to be able to lock in and um, pay attention to detail. And I think, you know, we have a lot of potential. You know, I don't think we're even close to being as good as we can be um, still. So, uh, you know, I think there's still a lot more for a lot more to look forward to in this team. David, I'm curious what your excitement level, preparation level is for those last few minutes of Big East games where the ball is going to find its way into your hands. The Friars have already had several overtime games, uh, lost the last second one to Creighton, uh, you certainly appreciate there's, there's more of those to come. Uh, I mean, I expect, you know, those moments, you know, I've been there before, you know, not even just this year, but, you know, in past years, many, many games have come down to, you know, five points or less uh, in the last four minutes. And, you know, like I said before, having that experience kind of gives you more confidence in those situations to be able to make the right play, stay poised, you know, and deliver. So um, when those moments come, you know, it's just like any other game, you just continue to stay locked in. And uh, it's about who's more mentally tough in those situations to be able to pay attention to each detail. Providence College's David Duke. Next up, who's hot? Who are the stars to be on the lookout for overall? Who are the young guys stepping into the big time? This week's best is coming up next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East? Who's hot? Mention the goatee of Creighton's head coach. Next, we're going to see him smoking a pipe. Greg McDermott, he's got a whole look to complete here. Alex O'Connell sticks to three. This lead is 35. That's unbelievable.
Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. It's at this time that we normally take a look at players and teams that are beginning to pick up the pace just a little bit. And certainly, we start off by looking at Player of the Week in the Big East Conference, also some of those that are getting uh, notoriety throughout the Big East with their individual performances. And we kind of take a look at some of the newcomers, maybe some of the names that you don't know about in Big East play that you will certainly become familiar with over the coming uh, weeks and months. Big East Player of the Week for this past week, it is a familiar name. It is one to hard pronounce, as you and I have had uh, battles with it over the course of the last two or three years. Sandro Mamakou. Kalishvili from Seton Hall, who's, of course, the uh, six-foot-ten senior uh, in a 2-0 week last week for the Pirates, 21 points, eight rebounds, four assists in wins at Xavier and home against Butler. Clearly, Mamu is a part of a Seton Hall team that if he's playing well, they're really hard to beat. I think he's the best big guy in the league right now. You know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl will make a pretty strong case uh, alongside Mamu, but uh, his ability to step away from the basket and be one of those I guess modern day big men, John, he, he can take his man away from the basket, shoot three pointers and put the ball on the floor for a six, nine, six foot 10, really physical big man. Yeah. The one criticism I would have here, not that I should criticize anybody here. Right. But sometimes I'm curious about his shot selection, you know, especially when it comes in the flow of the offense. And I'll wager that he and Kevin Willard have had discussions about that. I think he's, he's in an adjustment period. You know, last year, he was a very important piece. If you remember, John, last year, he dealt with some injuries. But by the end of the year, he was, he was a real, you know, real dominant piece for the Pirates. They lost some key players off last year's team. He's the, yeah. the man this year. And it's always difficult adjusting to that role. But uh, he's certainly a piece that Kevin Willard's going to build around and, and ride from here, hopefully into the NCAA tournament. Big East Freshman of the Week is a name we're all going to become familiar with, I have a feeling, over the next couple of years. Dawson Garcia from Marquette. 6'11 freshman forward helped Marquette rally from a 16-point halftime deficit to win at Georgetown. One of the big comebacks of the week of several that we had. 13 rebounds, 9 points, only one turnover in 34 minutes against the Hoyas. He was, of course, the preseason freshman of the year. He leads all league freshmen in scoring at about 13 points and 7 rebounds per game. The only McDonald's All-American recruit into the Big East, the Big East preseason rookie of the year. And I guess the coaches know something, John, because yeah. he's certainly an impact freshman. And again, a great piece for, uh, for Wojo to build around out in Milwaukee. You can clearly see that with a little extra seasoning, this kid can be dominant. You just wonder, you know, if he can continue to, you know, hit that upward curve and how far he can carry Marquette along his backside. On the honor roll this week, uh, several names familiar and a couple of newcomers as well. Another one that you need to probably get familiar with, Miles Tate from Butler. The freshman guard, 15 points and four and a half assists in games against Providence and Seton Hall. Only two turnovers in 65 minutes. Looks like Miles Tate's going to be a very good one. Well, John, without Aaron Thompson, the very important point guard for Butler, uh, they've turned to the freshman, put an awful lot on Tate, and also the very good shooter, Chuck Harris. He had 18 points in their win earlier this week over Georgetown. Those, those two freshmen and, and a few others uh, are really going to be the core of Butler's team going forward. Yep, and then, of course, uh, some familiar names as well. Damian Jefferson from Creighton, who had a magnificent game against Providence last weekend. Tyrese Martin, a transfer from Rhode Island, came up with his uh, first UConn double-double and a win over DePaul. We talked about David Duke, of course, earlier in the program, but David leads the Big East in minutes played at better than 41 minutes per game. 
He, sh he should sue for overtime. He needs to be paid overtime. There's no two ways about it. And, and how about Jefferson? We, we, we can't go back without saying his line against uh, Providence, 18 points, eight rebounds, six steals, yep. and three assists. I mean, that's an all-world line and truly a difference maker for Creighton right now. Zegarowski and Ballack get an awful lot of deserved uh, praise, but Damian Jefferson may be their most impactful player right now. Yeah, and one we don't want to leave out. Jamal Kane from Marquette had a tremendous shooting performance uh, in a win uh, at Georgetown. 25 points, hit four or five from three-point range. And so if Marquette can get extra help from guys beyond Dawson Garcia, Kane being one of those, Marquette is extraordinarily competitive. Marquette's always going to be in games. They, they've lost a lot of really difficult games. They had a really difficult loss to uh, Connecticut uh, earlier this week where they, where they had a nice first-half lead. But, you know, again, Wojo does an excellent job. I think they're playing harder now than they've had in the last couple of years, and that should be able to turn into victories. We introduced a new feature this season. Our blast from the past, if you will. Knocked away. Great defense. Lead to Sealy. Marnesekis, first lead. And let's start, Kevin, with a happy birthday, number 96 this week to legendary Hall of Fame coach Lou Carnesecca at St. John's. Should we sing happy birthday? Should we bring a cake? What, well, I don't even know what to do here. Well, I don't sing well, but I can remember really well, which is, which is a good thing. And, John, you and I both remember Louie's great teams in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, I was actually in school at the time, and I'll never forget a, a painful uh, loss for for my school Syracuse, but a great great win for St. John's in the in the 1986 Big East tournament. Everyone remembers the great Walter Berry and Mark Jackson. Uh, Chris Mullen had graduated the previous year, uh, but that baseline fall away tough shot by Ron Rowan. I think all Red Red Storm Red Men uh, Louis Carnesecca fans will always remember that shot. I think that's that's an absolute great one to remember. And by the way, uh, if you have your own Big East memory, a big moment in Big East play that you remember, feel free to share it with us. Just hit that hashtag on Twitter, TwitBe, T-W-I-T-B-E. Send us the thought. We'll try to get it on a future show. In 2021, we welcome old friends and rivals back into the Big East fold. Some approve, others aren't so sure, but suffice to say, UConn is back where they most feel they belong. Well, maybe except for an opposing coach or two, but one thing is certain, the intensity on the floor is turned up a notch every time Dan Hurley steps onto it, and Coach Hurley joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. Shot clock to 10 for Powell for the lead. From three, it's good, and for the first time since it was 10-9 UConn, the Huskies down 18 in the second are all the way back on top. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. Say you've been away for the past, oh, seven years or so, and you tune into our program here or to a Big East game on TV and you see UConn, and you think absolutely nothing of it. Why should you? Founding member, plenty of history, still got star power. But when you look a little closer, you realize, you know, that Dan Hurley, you know that Dan Hurley guy from someplace, right? Close by, right? Coach Hurley joins us this week in the Big East. Dan, let's start with UConn picking up right where the program left off maybe in, back in 2013 and assimilating into the league this year. Has it been as seamless and feel as natural as it might seem to many of us? Yeah, John, you know, and thanks for having me, fellas. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it feels 
um, a lot more seamless than you know waking up in Tulsa as the head coach at UConn in the middle of January or <laughs> you know finding yourself in, in Wichita in February uh, as, as the you know as the leader of the Huskies uh, you know once formerly you know one of the premier programs in the country but you know obviously uh, you know the Big East the history uh, all our natural rivals uh, you know are, 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 are you know, Big East schools and or, or programs that, uh, you know, in Northeastern powers. So th it feels, uh, in terms of the opponents, it's uh, it feels natural, but it's obviously a big step up in competition for us. Sure. And I think the first thing that uh, opposing Big East coaches said when uh, the news came out that UConn was joining the league was, oh, boy. And, and maybe, <laughs> maybe a little worse than that, but probably in that. Words. <laughs> Probably in that tone anyways. So I'm going to go straight to it. Uh, recruiting. Recruiting is the lifeblood of college basketball. You appreciate that better than anyone. Uh, you've already signed kids from Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia and Albany. Uh, has, how has this changed your recruiting philosophy? I think it's, it's definitely helped. I think uh, obviously the first recruiting class, um, you know, with, with, with Book Night, you know, it was a potentially lottery, uh, potentially a lottery pick, and you know, and, and a cook of cook who was, you know, was recruited at a very high level, and you know, was very highly rated, and even Jalen Gaffney was a top hundred player. So, you know, we, we were recruiting well, um, you know, before the league changed. But I, I think, uh, you know, going back to the Big East uh, has, has created a situation where we're where we're emphasizing the conference as opposed to trying to talk talk around it. And um, I, I think it did have, you know, a major impact on, on Andre Jackson's recruitment. And, and with this particular recruiting class, you know, with Russell Diggins, uh, you know, Jordan Hawkins, Samson Johnson, like these guys, uh, they want that, that big stage that the, that the Big East provides. Dan Hurley joining us this week in the Big East. I, I want to dial it back a couple of days here, Dan, to your, your win uh, against Marquette. Uh, number one, great comeback in that one, but it was fueled by others named uh, guys others uh, other than James Booknight. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering overall if uh, his injury, and I, nobody wants to have anybody get hurt, but he suffered a dislocated or a little, I guess, a, 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 I don't even know the term for it, but uh, an elbow injury in the game. You had other guys on your bench basically pick up the slack in that comeback win this week. Does that give you an indication of how well this team has really grown for you thus far? Yeah, John, it was, uh, you know, that, that was one of those really gratifying wins as a coach. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's one thing to win a game, uh, you know, where you're just sharp and you're on and, and, you know, your best player leads you and, and, uh, you know, but to have dealt with the adversity, to get down 18, uh, to really have to dig in, uh, you know, to have your best player, uh, you know, compromised. Uh, and then to have, like, older guys uh, that you've developed and, um, you know, been a part of, of their maturation process in, in Whaley and Polly. And, you know, Polly, who's had to show a lot of resolve coming back from an ACL injury. And, you know, those are uh, – you know, all wins are like, uh, you know, getting some oxygen, you know, and winning is complete misery. But some wins just feel a little bit better because they're just more gratifying because uh, you have to show real character to get it. If uh, fans haven't seen it, uh, Tyler 
Polly did his best Kevin Garnett impression in that game. He could not miss from downtown. Uh, and as the Huskies ran off the floor, it was as if Tyler Parley uh, was, was the MVP of the NBA. They made him feel like a million bucks. It was a good scene. Uh, Dan, I'm curious. Uh, this is year three for you at Connecticut. Uh, new league, new scouting, new opponents. How difficult and how maybe eye-opening has it been to look at everyone from Creighton, it was really difficult to, to scout, uh, Villanova, Georgetown, Butler, everybody. Yeah, you know what, Kevin, it's, it's easier with personnel because we're a lot more familiar with the players that play in the Big East because a lot of the players are from our region. Or they're, you know, a lot of them are top 100, top 150 type of guys that we've, we've seen a lot of. Um, you know, that in the AAC, the, the, you, know, the, you know, there was a lot, of, you know, a lot of junior college recruiting, a lot more transfers, a, a lot of schools that didn't really recruit the Northeast, not a lot of Northeastern players. So personnel was, was, was tougher uh, in the AAC. Um, it's getting used to uh, or, or learning the styles of the coaches. Um, that's a complete, um, you know, shift for us. You know, we, we going into, you know, after two years in the AAC, you have a really good idea of, of how Houston wants to play you, how Wichita State wants to play you. Uh, so that, that, that new familiarity with the, with the coaches and their style is, is going to be an adjustment. Not only for us, but schools are going to have to obviously adjust to us too. Dan, everybody's had to deal with uh, you know the pandemic, the coronavirus issue, the testing, the the positive results, the postponement of play, moving the schedule around. How are you handling that internally? Uh, I'm assuming you have a system of checks and balances in place, and uh, you know, but at the same time, um, how are you guys handling? personally because I know that it's disappointing when you get fired up for a game and you're working out and you're preparing for an opponent and all of a sudden you get the rug pulled out from underneath you. Yeah I, mean, I think the biggest thing John that we just try to stress is that uh, you know if, if the worst thing that's happening to us right now during an absolute brutal time uh, in our country's history in, in, a, in a variety of ways um, if the worst thing that happens to us is we get paused and we can't practice for 10 days, or if we get a game or two canceled that we can't play a full season, if that's the worst thing that happens to us and the people we love, then, then, then we have nothing to, uh, you know, to feel bad about. There's a lot more people in this world that are suffering and dealing with a lot worse than a cancellation. Um, and, and obviously every time that we get a chance to practice or play a game, it's, it's truly a blessing and, that, um, you know, that we've got to you know, just have a ton of joy when we get an opportunity to do what we love. Thanks again to UConn's Dan Hurley. Playing in the pandemic may not sound like a great idea, but pushing onward and upward, providing opportunity, it never ceases. That's what the Big East Conference is trying to do every day for its coaches and athletes. And as you might imagine, it isn't easy. We'll update you on those tasks as Stu Jackson joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. Says, you know what, I can get this anytime. Let's run some stuff. Put a little bit more pressure on this defense, and there you go. Right to the hole and a chance at a three-point play for Samuels. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. We are well underway with College Hoop in the new year, a year in which some coaches and teams around the country have chosen not to compete 
or at least have made their feelings known, they and others probably shouldn't be competing as our country goes through this pandemic. But for the most part, with a little extra care and a little extra effort, we're back to playing, we're back to broadcasting, we're back to writing, we're back to administrating. Big East Executive Associate Commissioner Stu Jackson joins us this week in the Big East. Stu, I'm wondering the big picture, how do you think this season has been handled thus far? And, and really, where should improvements be made from this point forward? Do you know that yet? Well, it, it, you know, John, it's difficult to uh, really get your arms around our whole situation. I think on one hand, it's great that we're back playing college basketball. It's great for the student athletes that they're getting a chance to do what they love. And on balance, you know, with the pandemic and all that's going on and the, the amount of suffering that people have had and even some in their the players' families, um, they're still on the floor, you know, doing what uh, I think they want to do and their families want them to do. So that's the big silver lining. But I have to tell you that, um, you know, we're in a mode right now, John, where we're just in reactive mode because as Kevin Willard always says, the virus is going to virus. And we don't have uh, any control or predictable uh, predictability about when things are going to happen, how they're going to affect uh, our schools. So we're in basically a reactive mode and um, sort of spinning on the hamster wheel, if you will. But the bottom line is, is that we've played about 80% of our games, which is about the national average across all conferences. So we feel like we're keeping our head above water so far. Mm -hmm. I have to applaud the, the Big East officer. I can't imagine the crazy last minute calls uh, either at midnight or at 5 a.m. I think Ed Cooley had one game canceled with, with a phone call uh, from Stu Jackson at about 5.30 one day. And uh, Stu, I guess two questions. Do, do you get to sleep? And then how do you actually deal with when someone says, hey, Stu calls in, we have a positive in our program? Yeah, no, uh, you know, when I do sleep, I'll say this, Kevin, I don't do it real well uh, these days. But, um, you, you know, the, the fortunate part is when we do get a call from, uh, you know, one of our institutions, and they've been extremely responsive in terms of just letting us know at the conference office immediately when they have a problem or potentially have a problem. And when we're notified, uh, um, certainly there's a great deal of communication between the schools themselves from the conference office to respective schools, uh, particularly the opponent, uh, the next opponent and opponents thereafter. Uh, you, you can't forget about the whole officiating matrix and the assignments there because we've got officials that are traveling to games that sometimes get to cities and they're told that there's not going to be a game. So there's that whole element. There's the, you know, the bigger PR element. You know, so John Paquette and I spent a lot of time on the phone as well. So there's a lot of moving parts, but it only works because our schools have been responsive and then we can act accordingly. Uh, and right now, with respect to the bad news part of, uh, you know, testing and positives and postponing games, we're kind of, uh, I hate to say this, we're kind of in a groove. Like we know what to do, uh, you know, and uh, we were react accordingly. It seems to me then while you've got this system in place and it is rolling along a little bit, um, I, I think we should stress here that 
Uh, it's not up to you guys when games are canceled or games are postponed or whenever, that it's upon the individual schools here. Am I correct in that assessment? Yeah, it really is. And even uh, drilling down a little bit more, John, it's really up to the respective school's physicians or their head uh, medical uh, person and staff that have to make the call on, uh, you know, obviously positive tests. Uh, when the school, you know, popped a positive, for lack of a better term, uh, the contact tracing piece of it, in other words, who's been affected, uh, for how long, uh, and then they make that determination as to whether they can, A, have competition, and even more importantly, when that school returns to competition. So, uh, yes, uh, it's, 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 they make the call, and then we adjust. Stu, there's been no, no program in your league affected more than DePaul. They've only played three games this season. I can imagine the conversations you've had with Dave Lato. We, we can't wait to get Dave on the show. Uh, just hopefully it'll be a nightmare that's long gone by the time we speak to him. But uh, can you just speak to the challenges uh, that DePaul has dealt with? Yeah, they, they've had some bad challenges. And even further to that, Kevin, some really difficult situations. I mean, starting out the, you know, the, the, the month of December and trying to play our Big East Big 12 battle game in Iowa. And, you know, they, they, they get to the location and find out, you know, they're unable to pay play the game because of a positive and then they missed three more conference games after that before playing a non-conference game against Western Illinois and if that's not bad enough you know they played a couple conference games one of which was against Providence uh, but then they traveled to St. John's on the 30th they're in the locker room the coach is ready to release them onto the floor for pre-game practice and before they get to the floor, they're notified there's been a positive test. That game has now been postponed. Uh, so you not only have, you know, the difficulty of just the logistics, but just the mental wear and tear on coaches and players, uh, you know, anticipating competition only to find out that, listen, we can't do this today. So they've had a really tough go of it. Um, you know, and, you know, in, our, in the conference office, we're committed as best we can to trying to uh, reschedule or postpone games so that they have an opportunity to compete and uh, get to the NCAA minimum of uh, 13 competitions for the NCAA tournament. We definitely can sympathize and we feel for them because, you know, they're, they're trying hard and yet you can't fight, you know, nature, I guess, so to speak. Stu Jackson uh, of the Big East with us here this week in the Big East. You know, I'd be remiss if we didn't actually talk about some basketball today. What, what are your thoughts on the way that the season has transpired? You know, having been a coach in the league, having been an administrator in the league for a long time, but as I suggested off the top, has it really gone, do you think, to the way that you've expected? And have you had any surprises on the floor that you didn't expect? Well, you know, it's, it's a fair question. And, uh, you know, has it gone as expected? From the standpoint of the better teams in the conference, uh, I, you know, so far that's played out, um, you know, with our top teams, which I would consider now being Villanova, Creighton, Seton Hall, Connecticut, Providence, and Xavier. I, I would say out of that group, uh, the biggest surprise to me has been Xavier, uh, sitting at nine, nine and two, only because they, this season, had so many new faces 
and moving parts. I think that, uh, um, you know, Travis Steele's done an outstanding job of managing, you know, a new team. And, and, and I'm excited about, you know, their prospects here going forward. So, uh, but overall, you know, in this COVID area, era, you don't know how teams are going to, you know, turn out. And uh, because there's so many different factors aside from just the physical, but the mental. And, uh, you know, but it's going to be another exciting year. Big East tournament, Madison Square Garden. Is that the plan? That is the plan. I, I mean, that, that is the plan. And uh, we just got off a conference call with MSG yesterday to start, you know, the preliminary planning. And we're all focused on having that tournament in New York City come March. That is definitely good news to hear. Big East's Stu Jackson. Who's got next? We'll touch on the schedule as it's presently planned next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Horkler's got it. Drive. The hook. He got it. We're tied. Here's Zigarowski. Game on the line. He gives it to Bishop. He dunks it home. With .5 left on the clock. John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. Our weekly schedule, I think as everybody realizes at this point, Kevin is going to be in a state of flux with the uh, the pandemic and some of the, the issues that teams are going to have with uh, COVID timeouts or pauses as we're calling them in conference play. For instance, Villanova. They've got their next three games this week already in their second consecutive pause as we certainly wish nothing but the best for you know the Wildcats and their basketball program and coach Wright to get back to health so they can get back to the business of play. It's a difficult uh, situation for Villanova they were rolling along uh, they're ranked in the top five uh, obviously another powerhouse team on the main line and then COVID happens uh, John most importantly we, we, we need everybody to stay healthy and be healthy and come out of this pause uh, hopefully virus-free from now until March. So what we hope to do here, you know, in this portion of the program every week is bring you up to date on, you know, who's playing, who's not, and that of the games that are scheduled to play, what really looks like good matchups. Everybody, by the way, in the Big East, with the exception of Providence, and I know that Ed Cooley will knock on wood, has had a COVID pause of some kind due to testing uh, of their own. Everybody in the league, though, has had games postponed because of testing of their own or from an opponent. So that's kind of where we are with that this week. Uh, as far as the games on the schedule uh, for this Saturday, well, you know, St. John's is at Creighton, Seton Hall at DePaul, UConn plays at Butler, Georgetown at Syracuse. Uh, Kevin, I know that'll bring back memories for you. Uh, trip to the Carrier Dome for the Hoyas with no fans. Talk about odd. Uh, big John Thompson, God bless his soul. He probably wouldn't even enjoy that. He always enjoyed to walk into the Dome and, and get those Orange fans mad at him and not his team. But it'll be a very different scenario on Saturday night. Now, we have actually single games on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of next week featuring Providence at Xavier on Sunday. UConn at DePaul Monday, Butler at St. John's scheduled for Tuesday. Yeah, John, like you said off the top, we're going to go a day at a time. So we'll start with Sunday's game. Providence at Xavier, two teams in the middle of the pack. Both, I think, expected to maybe have a chance to crack that top five, maybe even top four or three, depending how things come through. So certainly a really big uh, opportunity for the Friars on the road, and Xavier is always good at the Syntas Center where they are welcoming some fans. Yep, and then next Wednesday we'll have a, a triple header as well. Providence plays at Marquette. 
Villanova's game at Xavier is postponed. Uh, so not really a triple header, but DePaul at Georgetown to kind of round out the schedule for the week. So Kevin, we're off and running. Season one, uh, or you know, our, our, our season one episode is underway here on Twitby. And so far, so good. Let's all knock on wood. So we can do, John. Take it day by day. I'm healthy. You're healthy. This week in the Big East is healthy. Everybody mask up. Our thanks to Big East Stu Jackson, UConn coach Dan Hurley, and Providence's David Duke for joining us this week. Thanks go out to our flagship radio stations for their assistance to producer Kevin Collins, executive producer John Paquette, and thanks to the coaches and administrators at all 11 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster, at Kevin McNamara 33. Use that hashtag TWITBE, TWITBE, to find out what's going on. We'll join you again right here next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.